Okay, this morning I'm going to read from a few places in, in the Word uh, this morning. And I just, uh, God would have us to see how important it is for us uh, as believers in this particular time, being the very, the very church of Christ in this time on this earth still, right in the midst of prophecy. How we, how we, how important it is for us never to give up our place in Christ. Never to give it up. And what that means and how God wants to bring that out to us, to all of us uh, this morning. So again, I'm going to just read here. And I'm going to read in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And I'll start in verse 11, but it would be good when we have these uh, messages, this, this, this counsel from God, if you, could, if you wanted to read the fourth chapter, there's 32 verses there, if you wanted to read the fourth chapter of Ephesians and then see the fifth chapter and then the sixth chapter, you'll get a, a really, just with the English Bible, such a, such a beautiful, and the Holy Spirit, well, you, you invest that time you watch what the Holy Spirit will do, even with, with that reading. So I, I think a lot of, and a lot of times, that's what we need to do. A lot of times, many times, because there can be much weariness through much study and many books. You can see that in Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter. Look at verse 9 to verse 13. There can be a lot of that. When there's particular times when that's necessary based upon a gift that you may have but also just to, to put that aside and just open your Bible and let the Holy Spirit take those things and, to, and show them unto you. And, and that's a way, that I believe, too, even the simplicity of that, which is how he just keeps us humble and keeps us, uh, keeps us from just going after knowledge and not going after Christ. Because seriously, you know, in the depth of study, when it says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, uh, you know, to study, it just simply, you know, that just simply means allowing the Holy Spirit to take those things from the scriptures and to show them unto us. Now, again, that starts right in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. That's where it starts. It never starts with an individual outside of having a local assembly studying on their own. It's never God's way. Never his way. And, uh, but, when, but when that is, when that's honored, because we must remember in 1 Samuel 2.30, really what it says is those that honor me, God says those that honor me, I will honor. Those that lightly esteem me will be lightly esteemed. <laughs> So really what that's teaching is this. He's speaking of his order there. And God never violates the honor that's attached to his order. He just never does. He does it all decently and in order in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40. That keeps out confusion. And confusion in a Christian is just mixing the flesh fleshly thoughts which don't which come from the enemy and mixing it with the word of god there's a lot of confusion right there's there's much confusion as a result of that and that can be from bad teaching or no teaching or it could be things that are known but never submitted to 
in the scriptures. And that brings out, again, the, the, in 1 Samuel 15, 23, re, uh, rebellion and stubbornness. See? Re- rebellion is rebelling against God's order in whatever form that we actually know it to be in the light of the knowledge of the scriptures. And then stubbornness is just, it's just again, just resisting it. You know, just resisting uh, the honor of his order. And that, and again, even in Ephesians 5 and verse 21, it, <clears throat> it, it literally says, reverencing has to do with the honor of Christ in each vessel. That's what it, what it does. But again, it starts in, in uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Now in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, it says, and he gave. Notice that, he gave. That's, that's grace. Okay, He gave some apostles, of which we know there aren't any anymore, some prophets, those are New Testament prophets, those that, that were raised up to give us all these epistles in, in the New Testament. And the epistles in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, in, in, and also in John, the Gospel of John, the book of Acts, which is, the, is a history of the church, we see it in, in a little nutshell, but it's brought out in Revelations 2 and verse 3. But it's also, it goes into many, many other things uh, about these prophets and those that were given, the, that's the full canon of scriptures. The full canon just simply means a rule or a measure. The full canon is done. The scriptures are complete. And that's where, where it says he gave some apostles. These are new, obviously New Testament apostles. And some prophets, New Testament. Because there's truths that are revealed here that no Old Testament prophet ever knew like you and I have the privilege to know right now. Isn't that amazing? They just didn't know. And some prophets. So we know that that, those are complete. Those are completed. God used those men, his gifts, and completed it. And notice what it said, some. Some. Some today take the the title as apostle. Like pastor or evangelist, or prophet, or apostle, is never titles. They are gifts that function when they're submitted to Christ the head. It's the only time they function properly. And so, and then he said some, very few, (laughs) very few. And then it says some evangelists. Not all have the gift of being an evangelist. Now, we can all be ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. We all can be. That's why, again, some honestly, and I believe, not, I just believe in ignorance, and, and it's not wrong not to know, but when we know and don't submit, then it's sin in James 4 and verse 17. Well, some will take, take a title and make pastor a title when it's never a title. It's a function, a gift that functions through grace. It has nothing to do with man. So pastor's not a title. And even in this sense, we are all his ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. We're not all evangelists and pastors and teachers. No, because it says some for the benefit of the whole. That's what's brought out in the original. But, but we can all be ambassadors. And even in that sense, even in that sense, like being an apologist, making that a title, an apologist. Okay? The true apologist, seriously, a true apologist is not something that is separate from a pastor teacher. It's not. 
an evangelist. They don't act in that capacity? Of course they do. And then pastors and teachers? Yes. An apologist is, is, is brought out in Jude 3 and verse 4. You're contending for the faith. How, you, how we live our lives. We're an open book apologist. <laughs> it's not a title. And that's what's brought out in Ephesians 4 and verse 11. Now we see this. So what is functioning? What are the gifts that are functioning today? Two. Because God has considered what he finished and did enough to flow through those evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I don't believe, I don't believe uh, that pastors and teachers are two separate things. They're not based upon certain rules that we won't get into. Uh, and maybe possibly at another time, some, some call it certain by a certain name, which I don't even want to get into this morning. But again, evangelists and pastors and teachers. There's where we can all, through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, be a proper ambassador or an apologist. <laughs> That's what we all are. Literally, just by how we live our lives. How we live our lives. Some have gotten a taste just, in, in, just a taste. It was a big taste. A certain individual was at a certain place just minding their own business, reading their Bible, and they were confronted. No, but instead, with intense hatred. That's just a taste of where we're headed to in this country, where it's right now in place, not going to be. Because honestly, even in 1 John 2 and verse 18, it was a very early first century then. When the Holy Spirit had John, the beloved apostle, write, even now there are many antichrists. Even now there are many. Just that amount of hatred. You, you, some got a taste of that. How much more? Our brothers and sisters all over the different parts of the world are being tortured and persecuted because, because they have the light of Christ in them. Just the light of it. And when you're in darkness, when you function in darkness, you hate the light. The light is, is hated. But that's what it says in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. Don't think it's strange that that particular trial in 1 Peter 4.12. Don't think that's strange. Because all that live godly in Christ Jesus in 2 Timothy 3.12 will suffer persecution. That's a badge of honor. It's not that God had something against you. That realize, that is showing you how for you are for him. And again, I just can imagine what others heard at that particular time and how God used it. You know, and again, with a proper response of his love and his love flowing through a vessel with tremendous wisdom. Yeah, amazing. And that, can, that comes from preaching and teaching because otherwise if we don't have that, we function in a whole different way. That's called the flesh. And that flesh is no different than when we were in an unsaved state. <laughs> Led by the, the enemy in either case. The flesh or an unsaved state. This is why he's given us right now evangelists and pastors and teachers. For the completing, for the completing, the fitting out of the saints, those that are in Christ, saints, sanctified, for the work of the ministry. Huh? See? Does the pastor do it all? 
Is it all up to him? Is he the only one with gifts in a local assembly? No. Nope. No, for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That's why we teach you don't go to a ministry. The ministry is what you have as a gift and when Christ flows in you to minister. <laughs> you never leave a ministry any more than you ever leave the body of Christ. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, which we haven't come to yet, and which we won't fully until we see him face to face, because now we know in part, in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, but then face to face. <laughs> That's when we get into the eternal state, and we have him facing him in our own individuality and doing it corporately for all eternity and, and experiencing our love at that particular place and time where nothing again will ever disturb or distract us from receiving that love and that wisdom and we'll be in a growing state for all eternity. Whoa. No disturbance, no distraction. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, all those truths that are brought out again, that shield in Ephesians 6.16, take above all things it says they're taking the shield of faith. It's the faith. Chopistus, this, this faith. The faith and the person that Christ is and all the work that he's accomplished. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a complete man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, a complete man. You know, Satan, he's, he's, he's bringing to fruition, he thinks, and he will, his complete man. It's called the man of sin. We see that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 to 11, right down to the 12th verse. He has a man, the Antichrist, the fullness of him. Fullness. That's why, again, Paul, uh, John said, early first century, 1 John 2, 18, even now there are many antichrists. If they were in first century, what century are we in now? Is the church going to make the world a better place? The very world that crucified our Lord, the greatest manifestation of the love and wisdom of God ever, <laughs> and crucified him. It's not going to happen. Furthermore, in 1 John 2, 15 to 17, that's brought out clearly. The world system is on a collision course with God dealing with it for, for all eternity. And we'll see the final fruition of that fin in, in the finality of Revelations 20, verses 6 through 8. So here, but it says this, that we, we, all those in Christ, henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men unto Satan, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Notice that? I want to read to you in just one, one particular, and I don't usually do it this way, but I, I want to read in one particular place what one scholar has brought out. And this is, and I say scholar, and that's the Holy Spirit, using an individual that has a gift from Christ, so far, who's getting all the credit? Where it all belongs. God, through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the Trinity at work in oneness. And we all have that privilege to receive. Ephesians 4 and verse 14 is this, that we may no longer be children 
Hina, Nekete, Omen, Nepui. And really, that word children there, listen to what it means, is babies. Christians living like little babies. Little tiny little babies. And you know what a baby does, right? A baby, it says in Psalm 58 and verse 3, as soon as it comes out of the womb, what does it speak? Lies, it's manipulation, it wants its own way. (laughs) There are no more babes in Christ. No more babes in Christ. Never have their, their eye teeth cut so they can chew the meat in solid word of God. That's brought out in Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. Imagine adults living like babies. Wanting their own way, having their own plans, doing whatever they want to do, <laughs> when they want to do it, and how they determine it should be done. Well, this is here a negative clause with a present subjunction, and that's what it's saying. There are some Christians that are quite content to be babies, and that's it. Do you ever hear him say, Oh, I don't care about anyone else, I don't care about anything, I just want to go home to be with the Lord. And that's all I'm content with. I'll live just like the world does on the earth, make everything about this earth and the details of life to be my life and not Christ who is my life, Colossians 3, 4, and then I just want to go to heaven. That's a spiritual baby. Baby. And who, what do babies become? Christians that are grown up that don't have teaching and are babies. They become the victims of every charlatan that comes along. That's right. Because Satan is an angel of light. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, he has his ministers in verse 15. That's a charlatan, a cheat. A cheat. And it's a present passive participle of this word where we get the Greek word kludon, which is wave. And that we see we either have wisdom in James 1, 5 or we're tossed by every wave in 1, 6. What, is it, what does it mean here, a wave like the wind? Well, in 2 Corinthians 10, in verse 4, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They don't have anything to do with blood and flesh. And a baby is not interested and can't understand. <laughs> to the pulling down of strongholds. What are strongholds? Those areas that I honestly, I believe, some of those areas I like, I know, I know they're wrong, but I like them and I continue them anyway. Again, that's 1 Samuel 15, uh, 23, rebellion, which is as witchcraft, and stubbornness, which is idolatry. Feign obedience, <laughs> in 1 Samuel 15, and verse 22, feign obedience and feign that I am experiencing God's love when I live in disobedience. And then the enemy can accuse me when I function under his power that I'm a hypocrite. And that's, Revel- that's Romans 12 and verse 9. Now, what is a babe carried about by waves? Now, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 says, casting down imaginations reasonings. And what is that? It is a thought force from the enemy brought in a thought force that captures your will and causes you to reason as in, as totally resisting God the Spirit because you're under another spirit. That's why it says in 1 John 4 and verse 1, try the spirits whether they're of God or not. Because we submit. And if we don't submit to the Holy Spirit, 
is he able to guide us into all truth in John 16, 13, and 14? The answer is no. So these thought force, these waves or signals and thought force come in. Casting down reasonings, that's what that says. And every high thing from the atmosphere, supernatural evil, that what? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that results itself against the knowledge of God. And what is the knowledge of God towards you and I in Christ? It's the fulfillment of his love. The knowledge of God is Ephesians 3 and verse 19, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. And so here, the wave here means this. Watch this. You watch how the enemy does this with Christians. Watch. When we function like a baby, and a baby is, well, I know it's to be true, but I'm not going to do it. I'm upset. I am angry. I don't care. That's a baby Christian. Okay, how we're taught. It's not, it's not, in 1 John 3, 18, love, which has to do with our obedience, it says love, not in word or in tongue, make a declarative state, but in deed and in truth. And our love has to do with obedience. And our obedience, which is his love that actuates and causes his love in us when we receive it, and our obedience gives it right back to him. And that's what 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15 is bringing out. All things or work together. All things, what? Are for our sake. In Christ, though. All things are of God in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. Yes, they are. But all things work together for the good. To them that love God. That's obedience. To them that love God and are called according to His purpose, which has to do with His will. And the teaching of the Word in Hebrews 4.12, there's, there's a separating of these thoughts that I've received from the enemy that capture my will and keep me in a hardened, blinded state. And the word comes in and is our opportunity for, for the Holy Spirit to take the word of Christ and to separate self-conscious living all by myself. It's all about me. I'm my own object, not Christ. And bring us back to a proper place, a proper uh, object. So again, those waves here in James 1, 6, the waves here in Ephesians 4 and verse 14, those waves that are brought out in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 cause us to be agitated, irritated, uncomfortable, not comfortable. And when I live in the flesh, do you think I'm going to be comfortable and have fellowship with the body of Christ I mean, I can even show up like that in a very agitated, uncomfortable state. Why? Because God revealed his order. and Maybe it was resisted and not submitted to. Did you know we either function in submission or resistance? That's right. Who does God give grace to? James 4, 6. To those that he has humbled. Then when that, he gives us that grace then that grace allows us to be submitted. Then the devil flees. The cause of every lie, every speck of worry, every speck of irritation, every speck of suspicion is done away with. It's done away with. And we're no longer agitated. That's why the Bible teaches all of us that there is no irritation or agitation in grace. And I can tell when I'm not functioning in grace. 
I can tell when I'm not receiving the love that God has for me in Christ. I lose peace. I don't have joy. Any of us. And this is what it says here. Carried about in Ephesians 4 verse 14. Okay, carried about. And it means carried about in a whirlwind by a wind of teaching. The enemy's constantly teaching us. Did you know we're receiving signals constantly? One or the other. We're receiving reasonings in any place. And so what we see here is, and then it goes on to say, and in some, it's all wind. You ever hear of a blowhard full of wind? That guy's a blowhard. He loves expressing himself. That's Proverbs 18, 1 and 2, too. A fool loves to declare his opinions and his self. Got nothing to do with Christ. That's what a, to bloviate. <laughs> wind. And it says that some are all wind, even their lives are like a hurricane and a tornado, and you met one <laughs> at a particular place. You really did. Right? But you were in the eye. You were right in the eye. Right in the eye. Okay? Now, by the slight, by the slight of men under Satan, by the slight of men or women, under Satan. And that's where we get this kubiae. And it's in deceit. And it means in the deceit. And the Greeks used it, this word. It's called kubos. And it's from a cube. It's like throwing dice, but cheating. Cheating. Cheat. The enemy wants to cheat you. Cheat you with his waves and thought force of reasonings that doesn't have a thing to do with Christ, his love for you where you're headed, how much God loves you, the purpose that you have right on this earth in the particular place right where you are. And you see this, you see this, this cheating. The enemy in John 10, 10a, that he, come, he comes to steal, how? Through cheating. To kill and to destroy. Now he can't again touch our position, even our sins don't touch our position, but they certainly touch our experiential exchange with God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can see that crystal clear. Again, 1 John 5, 18, the B part of that verse. So there's cheating. And then it says, in craftiness. In craftiness is a word here in the Greek, it's panagos. It's from pan, which means all, and ergon. That word is literally is works. It has to do with works. The striving of works, like all the false teaching of covenant theology and lordship salvation, going back to the Old Testament, bringing it over into in an uncompleted state, into your completed state and position in Christ in, these, in, the, new, in the church, and, and making you again to sweat. To sweat. And if you don't do these things, you're going to feel cheated if you don't work real hard. All works, any deed, every deed. And the only place a Christian can do that is in the flesh. But are we in it in Romans 8, 9? As far as God's concerned, no. He has to get us to the proper place of his concern, his thoughts for us. Because it all has to do with his thoughts for us. And then we see this, this cleverness, and that's what that word, uh, panagos, ergon, means cleverness or trickiness. And then it says this, after the wiles of error. And wiles here is the Greek word methodia from methodiuo, and it's literally where we get our English word method. 
It's his method, his way. Okay? Because we don't fight his power. Okay? We don't fight his power in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. And in Hebrews 9 and verse 12 to 14, his power has been defeated. It's his wiles that we come up against. His lies. His deceit. And his denial. Did you ever hear someone, you say the truth? Uh, uh, I don't care, I still don't believe that. That's deceit based and denial. Based upon what? Lies. His methodia. And methodia is made up, made up of two Greek words. Meta and then hodos. Hodos is very interesting. Hodos is a road. Hodos is road. And that we get on the wrong road, then he continues to follow after us or follow us up to continue to practice deceit. Literally. This is no question about it. The fact of the matter is he's getting the believer because he can't change the position. He wants the, the experience of the believer with, him, with the will not being submitted to Christ but submitted to the enemy to be that thing that he uses to resist God in the believer. Again, this, is, this happens through, through rebellion and stubbornness. It happens through no teaching or very, very poor, evil, bad teaching. Okay, but the thing is, is this. Opposing his will, there's two places. We can either oppose his will or function in it. There's no go between. No, those two don't go together. We either oppose his will or we function in it. Now, positioned, our position is in Christ, who in John 4 and verse 34 based upon John 19 and verse 30, finished the will of the Father, fulfilling prophecy in Psalm 47 and 8. He fulfilled this will. And we are in him positionally. How do I experience it unless I submit my will? And can I, if I'm not humble, and God give me the grace to make my will to adjust to his? <laughs> Who does God give grace to? The Taipino Frusuni, those that he has humbled. Those that he's humbled. So we're either opposing his will or we're in it. How many, gosh, how many do not know to stop? Listen to this. To stop. To stop. The first, the first thought of disobedience, the, first, the very third, first wave of that reasoning that comes towards our mind, that thought force. How many do not know to stop at that first step? Not rejecting unfaithfulness and sin and thereby lack the strength to even give it up, to even give up that thought that enters into a practice and unfortunately can enter into some extremely devastating bad habits. Things that become attached to the will and hold the will prisoner. That's what the enemy does in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 26. He causes the believer, even in that place, he can cause the believer to oppose himself thinking he's opposing others or opposing God. When he, The enemy's got him opposing himself through an unsubmitted will. Through having light but refusing it or not coming to get it. I talked to a certain man I've known for years then he doesn't even think he needs a body. Doesn't even think he needs a local assembly. He's just going to be an ambassador on his own. 
I don't understand that. Do, but I don't understand. I understand where that comes from. A lot of bad teaching. Or just plain old flesh, living in disobedience. Loving things of the world and fleshly habits rather than the things that are of Christ. We see that in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 16. Did you know that we have such, all of us, every one of us this morning have all these incredible things? And it says, I is not seen. They're yours, but I isn't seen. You can't see it without God's order. I is not, not seen, nor ear heard, neither is entered into the mind of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But they're revealed in 2.10 of 1 Corinthians 2, 2.10. They're revealed by the Holy Spirit. And can I live in resistance and disobedience? And will the Holy Spirit be able at that point to take the things of Christ and show them unto me? Answer, no. He won't. He can't. And he won't. He will not do it. Yes, God waits to be gracious. Yes, he does. How long? You know, the big lie for the enemy, one of his biggest lie is that we have more time than we think we do. It's the truth. The time is short. Oh boy, husbands, wives, local assemblies, individuals. If Paul, and it was through the Holy Spirit that Paul spoke, the time is shortened in his day. In 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine. Right now, we're to redeem the time. How do we do that? By getting God's counsel. Redeem the time, because the days that we live in are poneros. They're infectious evil and, and unchangeable. Hatred against God, His Christ, the Holy Spirit, His Word, thus the local assembly or the individual Christian. Hatred. And the flesh that's in us is the exact amount of that same hatred of the unsaved world in Romans 8 and verse 7. Resisting God, resisting Him. To stop, how difficult is it to stop when starting on that road of disobedience? Stop. We're going to close very soon here, and we are going to get into this in detail this following week. In detail because of its extreme importance, especially being in the place where we are right now. You know, in 1 John, again, 2.18, early 1st century, the Apostle John, under the inspiration, God-breathing, of the Holy Spirit said, even now there are many antichrists, which will lead up to the ultimate antichrist. Of course, we won't be here, thank God. Based upon Revelations chapter 6 through 18, we will not be here at all. Six. Revelation 6 through 18 has not a single thing to do with the church. You and I. Not a single thing. So that'll solve that mystery in a heartbeat. Doesn't have a thing to do with us. But the fact of the matter is, he said, even now there are many antichrists. Because you know the, the one will come leading up to it. And he said in 1 John 2, 19, they went out from us. They went out from us because they weren't of us. Because if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest, and some Christians want to make that manifest, that they were not all of us. And that's why when some say in 1 
Corinthians 1, 12, well, I am, uh, I am of, Ap- of Paul. Some say I am of Paulus. Some say I am of Cephas. And some don't need, some say I am of the Lord. You have those that make men the issue and then, then in some form of self and then some that don't even have a man, they don't even need them. <laughs> it's them. Is Christ divided? We know Satan's kingdom is based upon that. Division and dividing. Separating the body of Christ. It's never been in a more separated state, by the way, ever. And Revelations chapters 2 and 3 bring out the church history. Bringing out crystal clear. And we are in the Laodicean age in Revelations 3, 14 to 22. We can still function in, in Revelations 3, 8 to 10 as the church of Philadelphia, just a few the two or three. But even now, there are many. Even now, there are many antichrists. We're going to stop with this. Don't give up your place. Because if you do, and I do, and here it is, and I'll finish it with this. I'll finish it with this. Ephesians 4, verse 14. Whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but separated from all that, speaking the truth in what? Love. Do I experience love the love that God loves me with and disobedience. No. Does he still love me? Yes, but do I experience it? No. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things. How many? How many? How, how many things should we allow Christ to be involved in in, our, in what we think is our lives that we live somehow separate from him who is our life because prior to receiving him as our savior, we were considered spiritually dead. (laughs) Second Corinthians 5 verse 14 brings that out. Christ died for all because all were dead. But they that live, in verse 15, now in him, should not live unto themselves. (laughs) Live unto yourselves, separate from the body of Christ, but unto him who died for them who died for them. But speaking the truth and love love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined, notice fitly joined, and compacted by that which every joint supplies, we all have a gift to supply, according to the effectual working and the increase, and it's effectual in its working with a submitted will, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth, from now on, stop walking as other Gentiles, unsaved, walk. That's what it says. And we'll see this. Listen, stop. Disobedience, the first thought of disobedience, instantly stop. No. No. Because if we don't, we add sin unto sin, in Isaiah 30, verse 1, iniquity unto iniquity, in Psalm 69, verse 27, in Romans 6, and verse 19, iniquity, and iniquity is me, my will captured by Satan. That's iniquity. It was found in him. In Ezekiel 28, and verse 15. God, I don't want that found in me. But here, again, and I think this is, I think this is two times closing. This is three. I guess I have to in this one. There's three strikes and I'll be out, right? But here, and I just show you all the way, even when he was dealing with the nation of Israel, 
And that's where we look back at them and learn. Just read the first chapter of uh, Isaiah in the second chapter. Look at what, well, this is, this is Isaiah 1, verse 16. Wash you. Right? Wash you. Again, you'll see that with this teaching for us in, this, in, in, in the church of which we are. Children of his grace and truth in Christ. And we look back, we can learn from that something they didn't have, but we have. Wash you. And again, that's John 13, 1 through 10. And Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. Wash you, make you clean. Without teaching of the word and what, who Christ is and his person and what he accomplished, do, can we even confess what we don't even know and are and unaware of or don't even know what to do with it in 1 John 1, 9, confessing it. Well, wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings. Is disobedience evil? <laughs> Is sin evil? Psalm 51 and verse 4, yes, sin is evil. They're not separate. Okay, they're never separate. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Did you know that? He sees clearly every area that we live in disobedience. Now, he loves us, but that's the area his love won't reach my experience because I refuse it. I refuse grace thereby refuse truth and, and then privately interpret it according to my flesh. No wonder the will hasn't been captured. You see that in 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. No, it's not with private interpretation, the word. That's why we have local assemblies too, by the way. I see so many privately interpreting it because of that. And it's God's order that's the issue. Put away the evil doing from your eyes. Cease to do evil because it, you do it. You practice sin in the light of his countenance. In Psalm 90, verse 8. I don't want other Christians to see it. I don't want them to see my nastiness. But God sees it. And we're okay with that. Who made us okay? Learn to do well. Notice what it says. It says learn. Learn. I don't want to come and be taught. Okay. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Mm -hmm. Instead of having God as your expectation, Psalm 62 and verse 5, and you pour out your heart to him, 62 verse 8, and when you don't have that, and when you function outside of that proper place, you're oppressed in 62.10 of Psalm. You can be oppressed. Never possessed, but oppressed. Agitated. Always agitated, always needing something other than Christ. <laughs> Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now. When should we come? Remember what Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30? Come unto me. Don't hesitate, come. Because that's where your need's going to be met, Philippians 4 and verse 19. Then when the need is met through him, through a submitted will, then you can do all things, Philippians 4 and verse 13, but it's through Christ. And that speaks of submission. That does away with all disobedience. So, so you do this. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as what? Scarlet. They will be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be as wool. If you be willing. Notice this. Will. There's the will. Submitting the will. James 4, 7. If you be willing and obedient, you will eat 
the good of the land, all those promises that are ours in Christ in 2 Corinthians 1.20. But if you refuse and rebel, listen to this, if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured with a sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You'll be devoured. What does the word become to you when you live in disobedience? And that same word Christ is going to use to deal with the enemy in the end days, by the way. You'll see that. I believe it's in Revelations 19, 3 to 15, around in there. We see how, we see how this is. So in closing this morning, in closing this morning, how fatal is the influence that the world system satanic world system exercises over them an authority when it gains entrance into their thinking, into their minds. You think he wants to do that to Christians? Oh, more than, more than any. More than any. And when that happens, when it gains entrance into those minds and emotions, then they, we enter into all these other attachments, these habits, and we become very hard. I know men and women that I've known for years and I've learned in my own areas of hardness and God dealing with it. They're so hard. I pray, oh God, can, can he win them? They're so hard. It's decades of hardness and, and other things than Christ attaching themselves and being occupied with those things. And I've seen that. And boy, can I learn by that in my own life, not in an accusing or condemning sense of another believer living that way, but I can learn about my own life and see how, boy, how incredibly hardened they get and how they suffer, how they suffer in that place. Well, Father, thank you that we have you. Thank you that we have these truths, Lord. Thank you that... uh, and we're going to learn about this. We're going to learn about these things throughout the week. And thank you for those times that we have when we're available, when we can, and you know when we can. And when we can, those are the times we should. <laughs> and when we can't, he'll be faithful. And we always thank you that we have still some form of technology where we can listen to these messages that you have for us in our own local assembly. And the local assembly that you call us to is that place that we're never to give up. It's that place of protection. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.